restless sea of time. So the skies and hollow timbers all should see the bright sunshine. In that land of perfect day, when the mist are rolled away, we will understand it better by and by. God bless you. I pray that each of you are blessed and safe on this evening. I pray that God's blessings are upon your life and in your family and that you feel strengthened and encouraged tonight. This is a day that the Lord has made and we ought to rejoice and be glad in it. Can I pray with you? Heavenly Father, Lord, we thank you for this time and for your people who are listening to the sound of my voice tonight. Lord, strengthen them and encourage us as we encounter your word, that we might be the light that you're calling for each of us to be. In Christ's name we pray, amen. We're going to the word of the Lord. We'll be in John chapter four, and we'll be looking at verses 13 through 19. Again, that's St. John chapter four, and we'll be looking at verses 13 through 19 from the English Standard Version we'll be sharing tonight. You can look for that as I inform you that we have been in our series, our fall series for 2020, the final quarter. We have been sharing for on this week and on last week. How do you see yourself? How do you see yourself? On Sunday, we dived a little bit into the concept of us understanding and appreciating our own identity not allowing others to define who we are, but making sure that we're in position to define ourselves. And we looked at it through the view of the Samaritan woman that met Jesus at the well. Once again, that's John chapter four, and we're gonna begin looking at verse 13. John chapter four, verse 13 reads from the English Standard Version, Jesus said to her, everyone who drinks of this water will be thirsty again. But whoever drinks of the water that I will give him will never be thirsty again. The water that I will give him will become in him a spring of water, welling up to eternal life. The woman said to him, Sir, give me this water so that I will not be thirsty or have to come here to draw water. Jesus said to her, go call your husband and come here. The woman answered him, I have no husband. 
Jesus said to her, you are right in saying, I have no husband, for you have had five husbands, and the one you have now have is not your husband. What you have said is true. The woman said to him, sir, I perceive that you are a prophet. I perceive that you are a prophet. Jesus spoke to this woman through the word. And while encountering her, he said some things that were very life altering, very life changing for her. Some words that really got her attention as he began to explain to her her own situation, her own condition. I thought of this as it relates to identity because during this election season, I found that there are some very high passions as it relates to the candidates. So many high passions related to political parties. So many high passions that are related to ideologies. A lot of stock that has been given to a candidate or a party or an ideology, some even from the pulpit. And I began to be concerned because, because in praying to God, I began to get an understanding as to why this might happen. And God simply spoke to me, Larry. He says it's a matter of identity. It's a matter of how you see yourself, how you perceive yourself, and who you connect to your identity. And I came to ask somebody that question. What do you connect to your identity or what is connected to your identity? What is it that gives you a sense of purpose or a sense of being that really describes who you are? If you were to describe yourself in five words, what would, the, what would those five words be? And then in writing down those five words, and I challenge you to do that right now for yourself. You don't have to type it on social media, but do that for yourself. Write down five words that help to define who you are. Five words in, in how you think other people see you. And then after writing those five words, I want you to notice what is linked to the ways that I identify myself? What is attached to the ways that I define myself? Some of you would define yourself as well-educated. If you do, then that ties you to a university, a, a institution of higher learning, to a certain school, to a certain area, to a certain region, even to a certain discipline. What did you study? Medicine, law, nursing. Whatever it is that you studied is tied to your identity and the institution where you received your degree is tied to your identity. If being educated is part of how you identify yourself. If you identify yourself as a mother, a father, a husband or a wife, then there are other people that are tied to your identity. That means your wife, your spouse, your husband is tied to your identity. That means your children are tied to your identity, tied to who you are, tied to how you see and perceive yourself. Some people would, would describe themselves as affluent, well-off, middle class. Then your job is tied to your identity, where you work, how much money you make. You've allowed that to become part of who you are. Anything that is tied to the words that you use to describe and define yourself are things that have latched on or that you have attached to your identity. When I begin to think of that, this woman in our text, 
What was attached to her identity? How did she define herself? Well, Jesus, he went straight through that. He didn't ask her to write down five things, but he went straight to the heart of the matter. He asked her, first of all, Jesus saw some things. And the most beautiful thing about this text is that Jesus saw her. And I need you to understand that wherever you are, Jesus sees you. While somebody can hashtag that, put that in the comment comments, Jesus sees me. He sees you. He sees clearly through you. He sees exactly where you are. He sees exactly what you were meant to be. And he sees exactly what is necessary for you to reach your potential. He sees exactly what you what is designed for you in God's plan and destiny for your life. Jesus saw her. In seeing her, what did he see? Jesus saw her need. Interesting that he met her at the well because Jesus saw her need as being thirsty. This woman was thirsty in many ways, not just physically, but emotionally and spiritually. She, her soul was thirsty. She was in dire need of something. Jesus saw her need as being thirsty. Not only did he see her need, but Jesus saw her substitute. What was her substitute for the thirst of her soul? Her substitute was men. Her substitute was relationships. Let me ask you tonight, what is your substitute? What is it that you're substituting for the thirst of your soul? What is it that you're substituting for what your spirit is longing for? There's so many substitutes out there. It may be alcohol, it may be drugs, it might be affirmation. Sometimes we post on social media just so somebody will like what we're posting. Are we seeking affirmation? Sometimes in this election and political season, we're seeking agreement. We want affirmation through agreement. This is how I feel. So since this is how I feel, let me post it and see how many people like it. You know how I know that's a fact? Because after you post it and one person disagrees with you, you're very offended. You didn't post it just for yourself. You posted it so that someone would affirm that which you think, that which you believe. You're allowing someone's affirmation to have an impact on your identity, to have an impact on how you see and perceive yourself. You're seeking a substitute. Jesus not only saw her need, which was thirst, he saw not only her substitute, which was men and relationships, but Jesus also saw her frustration. How did he see her frustration? Well, he noted it in the text. He said that anybody who drinks from this well will thirst again. Jesus was not just speaking literally. He was speaking to the need of this woman. He's speaking to the frustration of this woman's soul. All her life, she had been trying to quench the thirst of her soul. But every time she partook of another man, of another sexual liaison, of another marriage, of another relationship, she always wound up thirsty again. I ask you, what's your substitute? Whatever your substitute is, 
you can appreciate this woman's frustration because nothing that you do, no relationship, no affirmation on social media, no alcohol, no drugs, will be able to quench the thirsting of your soul. No matter what your substitute is, I can tell you your frustration tonight. Your frustration is even after you receive the thing that you think you need, you're still thirsty. Jesus saw her need, thirst. Jesus saw her substitute, men or relationships. Jesus saw her frustration that even after partaking, she still remained thirsty. Jesus also saw her frustration. Her frustration, I saw her frustration, but then he also saw her priorities. Need, substitute, frustration. And then he saw her priorities. Her priorities were relationships over self-awareness. And I want you to get that. And I want you to think through that with me. You know, somebody might need to write that down. Her priorities were relationships over self-awareness. Relationships over self-awareness. It was more important for her to be in, attached to a relationship than it was for her to understand who she was. It was more important for her to have somebody close to her next to her than for her to see who she was. And sometimes we seek company because we're not comfortable with ourselves. Sometimes we seek affirmation through relationships because we don't want to be alone with ourselves. We don't want to be alone with our thoughts. Have you ever been, have you ever seen that? Someone who can't stand to be alone. They can't stand to be by themselves. Oftentimes they, they have emotional attachments that aren't healthy. They, they have such a thirst and a desire and a hunger and a need to be close to people, around people all the time. If you're not, if you don't respond to them, then they're texting you and they're calling you and they're calling you and they're texting you. They have a need for that validation that comes only through having a relationship, having somebody close to them, having somebody beside them because they can't stand to be alone with their own thoughts. When they're alone, they begin to look in the mirror and they begin to reflect on themselves and they don't like the picture that they see because they've expended all of their energy and all of their time on a relationship and they prioritize that over finding themselves, over liking themselves. The world teaches us to seek for our soulmate. Spend all this time seeking for soulmates, all of these apps to find other people. Maybe we need to develop an app that helps you find yourself. I tell you about a book that will help you find yourself. It's the Bible. Reading God's word is the best way to self-discovery, the best way to self-awareness, the best way of finding yourself. Instead of finding a man or a woman, I challenge somebody, find yourself, find who you are. Don't prioritize relationships over yourself. I'll say it and I'll say it again. Jesus gave us the order to love your neighbor as you love yourself. You first have to love yourself. You first have to love yourself. How do you love yourself? Well, you understand what love is through God, through relationship with God. For God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son. He showed us what love is. 
And the first place you need to exercise that love is not on anybody else. You need to exercise that love on yourself. Exercise the love of God on yourself. Forgive yourself. Give yourself grace. Give yourself mercy. And only after you begin to love yourself will you know how to love your neighbor and you will learn how to love others. I challenge somebody tonight and it might be difficult. It might be you. It might be somebody you know. But if anybody who doesn't love themselves, themselves is in a relationship, that relationship is manipulation. They're in a manipulative relationship and their partner may not intend to manipulate them. It may be unintentional manipulation, but you cannot be in a relationship when you don't know what love is and when you don't know how to love yourself. You first have to learn to love yourself. The problem with being in a relationship when you don't love yourself and don't know what love is, is that you depend upon your partner to tell you what love is. You think loving yourself is what they tell you. You think loving others is what they explain to you. And they, it may be unintentional. It may be innocent. But it works the same way to be manipulation. You're not prepared to be in a relationship until you learn what love is. And you're not yet ready to be in a relationship if you have not let, yet learned to love yourself. Never prioritize relationships over self-awareness. You must know what love is through God because God is love. And God will show you how to love yourself. And then you'll be in a position to share that love with others and know how to behave in a relationship. I'll tell you this, that Jesus saw this woman and I'm finished. He saw the woman's need, which was thirst. He saw the woman's substitute, which was men or relationships. He saw her frustration, which was drinking, but yet remaining thirsty. He saw her priorities in which she prioritized relationships over self-awareness. And the final thing that Jesus saw is something that I hope we all see. He saw her solution. Jesus earlier in the text said, do you not understand the gift that is standing before you? What Jesus was saying is, I am the answer. I am the answer. In honor of the, the late Alex Trebek, he says, what, what is the cure for your thirstiness? What is the cure for you never having to go back to the well and thirst again? What, what's, he said, I'm the cure to all of those things. So the answer in the form of the question is what is Jesus? I am the gift. I am the answer to your question. I am the solution to your problem. I am here to resolve your frustration. I am here to help you fix your priorities and learn, you, learn to uh, appreciate and prioritize awareness of self over relationships. I'm here to cure your frustration. I am the answer that you have been using the substitute for. Don't substitute anything for me. Nothing is, a, is an adequate substitution for Jesus. He said, I am the way, the truth, and the life. I am the way. There is no other way. I am the answer to everything you need. I pray tonight that you learn to see yourself See yourself through the word of God. 
By reading his word, you'll begin to see yourself the same way that God sees you. Can I pray with you? Heavenly Father, Lord, I ask that you touch this audience, those who are listening. Touch their hearts, touch their minds. Strengthen and lead them, Lord, to a better sense of understanding of who they are. And they find that by finding you. The closer they get to you, the better they, the more they learn about themselves. And they become the better version of themselves, Lord, that you have always seen and that you desired them to be. Don't allow anything to be attached to their identity. But let them know that all that they need, they can find in Jesus. In Christ's name we pray. Amen. Told you during this season, selection season, there are so many passions that are out there. But I want you to understand the source of these passions. We're trying to label people as liberals and Democrats and Republicans and conservatives. We need to really look at the root of the problem. Many of these people who are so passionate and lost during this season is not because of what party or candidate they identify themselves with. It's simply that they have not yet found Jesus. They have not yet found him. If you want to be the solution, don't try to convince them to vote for somebody else. Convince them to try Jesus. The old saints used to sing, all that I need, I can find in Jesus. Jesus, he satisfies his joy, joy he supplies. Life would be worthless without him. But all things in Jesus, I find. Instead of trying to lead people to an ideology, lead people to a party, or lead people to a candidate, as a Christian, it's your responsibility to help lead them to Jesus. I pray that you let your light shine this week and that you're successful in helping to lead somebody to find our Lord and Savior. Be blessed tonight. And I will give you shepherds after my own heart who will feed you with knowledge and understanding. Jeremiah 3 and 15. How beautiful upon the mountains are the feet of him who brings the good news. Isaiah 52 and 7. Bright Temple coming soon. Our pastor and first family love day. Sunday, November the 15th at 10 a.m. at Bright Temple. Come help us celebrate our pastor and first family with an offering of love, gifts, and monetary contributions. If you decide to come by on Sunday, November the 15th at 10 a.m., please remember to practice social distancing. You can make your monetary contributions by Giveify, Cash App, or by mailing your gift to the church. Please specify your contribution under Pastor Anniversary slash Love Day. Thank you in advance for helping us celebrate our pastor and first family. pray that each of you were touched and inspired by our service today. If you wish to partner with us, you can do so by Giveify. Download the app on Apple Store or Google Play and search for Bright Temple. If you wish to partner with us on Cash App, just look for Bright Temple in the two line and in the four line, tell us the purpose of your gift. If you would rather mail your gift, you can mail us at Bright Temple 
Post Office Box 453, Shelbyville, Tennessee, 37162. Thanks in advance for your generosity, and we pray God's blessings on you and your gift.